back to the Being Forces Friendly Podcast, a monthly podcast where we sit down with experts from the armed forces, government and business to discuss engaging with defence and the mutual benefits that come from it. Okay, welcome everybody. Uh, we're here at uh, in DRM, Defence Relationship Management, here in Holdenness House. And uh, what we're going to cover today is the power of sport, uh, how sport is helping veterans back into the labour market. Uh, a fascinating subject, uh, particularly over the last um, number of years, um, we're dealing with uh, increasing numbers of people who are interested in fitness, in society, and of course people in the armed forces are hugely involved in it. So the, the key thing is, what we really want to explore today is the growing number of organisations who are using sport, fitness, health, etc., uh, to help uh, alongside their training um, areas to equip service leavers, veterans to get into the, the employment, which is fantastic to see. So I'm delighted. My name is Alistair Halliday. I'm Chief Executive of uh, RFA, the Force Employment uh, Charity, uh, and part of COBSEO. And, um, and I'm delighted to be joined today by some real key experts in this field. So that's fantastic. So perhaps the first thing we might want to say, brief before we start in the main bit, perhaps Imran, you want to just go, we'll just go around and briefly, if you want to say, um, uh, talk about fighting chance, we'll just quickly go around the table. Uh, hi, Alistair. Yeah, my name's Imran Khalil, and I'm from an organisation called The Fighting Chance. Uh, we um, are an organisation that helps disadvantaged, unemployed people, mm -hmm. and we support them to find work. And we do that using the power of sport and boxing as a means of engagement. Mm -hmm. uh, we Typically, we've worked with long-term unemployed people, mm. people with health conditions, mm. uh, sometimes people from offending backgrounds, and more recently, we've begun to work with veterans. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And we'll come back to a lot of those, those subjects. Fred? Uh, yeah, great to be here. Thank you. Um, so I'm a serving Army Brigadier. I've been involved in disabled sport for well over a decade now. Um, and I'm here wearing three hats. Uh, my first hat is as the sort of lead MOD partner for the Invictus Games. Um, my second hat is as a director and former chief executive of the Armed Forces Paris Snow Sport team. Um, and I'm also the deputy Armed Forces Disability Champion. So I've got a long and deep interest in uh, issues pertaining to, to all of these. And um, most of the activity I've done over the past decade or more has been utterly dependent on um, private sector um, relationships and, and sponsorship. Um, we so I've seen the transformational impact um, and life-saving impact that sport has on wounded, injured and sick, both serving and, and veterans. And, and, and just on Invictus, I suppose, is a sort of brilliant example of, of how it uses sport, not just to help the athlete um, on his or her recovery journey, but it's got a real focus on the family as well. And quite often it's the family you know, who um, have got an equal amount of challenge as the individual is recovering from the illness or injury um, journey. So having a focus on that family um, is, is a really important component of, of, of what we do. That's brilliant. And, uh, and lastly, James, do you want to overview of Mission Motorsport? So, um, uh, like like Fred, um, my my background is is British Army, but I left back in two thousand and twelve. Um, I'd seen a lot of over the course of my career. I'd seen a lot of people who were impacted by um, by their military service, or indeed by their partners' military service, and and saw that impact very clearly on the families. And I've I've got a background in an area of sport, which is which is motorsport. 
Motorsport is an interesting one for the disabled because there's no separate disabled category. They race on a level playing field against the able-bodied. But it's also a team activity. Nothing happens with just a single individual. It's all very much around team-enabled stuff. And we've used that to harness and take people on an inspirational sporting journey, um, but really linked it to training and vocational pathways. So using some of that inspiration to prize people off the sofa, to turn the lights back on, to get that spark back, but then sending them down a path where they can um, find relevant um, vocation, careers, reasons to get out of bed in the morning, a sense of self after the military, um, and ultimately support their families and be successful civilians. Um, um, and it's uh, and it, it's joyous. I think we've we've learned an awful lot since I was first casting around, actually um, asking questions of Brigadier Fred's organisation, trying to understand the great things that were being done in Alpine things, and going, well, how can we then apply this across? And it's it's lovely seeing all the collaboration there is across the sector. Fantastic. And we're also joined by Tony Matthews from DRM Defence Relations Management, who's the National Account Manager based here uh, in Holdness House um, in in London. Welcome, Tony. Thank you. Delighted to be here. So I think let's let's start off and taking some of the themes, I think, which we've already introduced. In broad terms, how do we think that people will benefit from sporting, training and all of these other things in terms of them getting a job? What do we, how do we think that that can work? Uh, that business of transition, yeah. so leaving military service yeah. and becoming a civilian, um, is called relatively uncontentiously transition because it does reflect the fact that there is a change and it's not just a change in who pays, uh, where does the money come from that lands in your account at the end of every month. It's a bit more fundamental than that and it's a, a change in culture, in belonging, in sense of self and purpose and lots of other bits and pieces. So it's a bit more than somebody who has worked in a sector um, applying for a, a job and moving to a company that does a very similar thing to them, but but uh, you know and continues to get paid, um, you may well leave the military and actually be getting paid to do a very similar job. Um, but if it's in a civilian sphere, it's there are going to be some bits of that aspect of that employment that feel very different. And anything which can help people in that sort of transitional space is positive. And it's not just sport. There's all sorts of great bits and pieces, but just sport is an incredible way to excite and engage people. Um, and I think, you know, Fred and the inspiration through Invictus catches people's imagination, you know, um, colouring people in the training ground and getting somebody to see the benefits that they'll feel themselves um, in a boxing ring or in boxing training, you know, can all be amazing. Um, and it's harnessing that for good, really. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and I think um, the routine of physical training and, and training drills can be can be really useful and, and very relevant to, to, to veterans in particular, I think um, the the transition from 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 the army into civilian life is 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 the challenge, mm -hmm. and uh, we 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 often we we um, referred people that are in recovery, but but not always. I think I think that the boxing training yeah. is 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 really useful is is really useful for people. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so the flush of endorphins that one gets when <laughs> yeah. one's doing physical activity, I think, is is, is an obvious one. For, for our community, or certainly for my wounded, injured, and sick community, um, in particular, when you know, going back to the height of Iraq and Afghanistan and, and the sort of Selly Oak Hospital and Headley Court mm -hmm. back in the day, you know, quite often, you know, a lot of our guys and girls were sort of waking up and um, mm -hmm. and dwelling on what they can no longer do. 
um, and they kind of lose a bit of purpose. As, as James has said, they lose confidence, they might lose their identity, they might lose some of their self-worth. And, and what I've found is that, that that's through sport, and sport is just a mechanism to help them regain all of those things that they think they might have lost. It demonstrates what is still possible rather than what they can no longer do. Um, very often, it gives them a sense of freedom and independence, uh, be it on a racetrack or an alpine ski slope or whatever, that their disability um, in sort of day-to-day life limits them. Mm. So there's, there's a whole heap of, um, mm. of, of physical and mental benefits uh, that, that sport brings to, in particular, the, the wounded and general sick community. No, I, th- I think it's a, it's a fantastic thing because, of course, every member of the armed forces has gone through uh, an element of physical training, etc., from basic training, and, and a lot of uh, parts of the military is it, a key part of the capability to remain fit. And so I think it's a fr- from a starting point. But And I think the, the points which I think have been covered, uh, one is there's clearly physical benefits. There's also this sort of mental thing of uh, the endorphins and the fact it can help people unwind and relax and all the other things. But I think this confidence piece is, is a really key thing uh, and also the sense of belonging. Uh, uh, and I think in, in the armed forces, being belonging to a unit and, and playing sport for that and having that identity is, is very key. Uh, and I think when you look into the transition space and employers and people leaving, having spent a long time away, etc., perhaps coming into the community um, where you, you join the local cycling club, the local golf club or whatever it is, or motorsport club or whatever, um, you're making a new bunch of friends, new bunch of mates. Some of them are future colleagues. Some people may well offer you a job. So I think there's some real positive benefits that way as, as well for the employment. Um, so I think there's a lot in there's a lot involved in here. A community is a really important thing. I mean, Fred mentioned it really naturally. You mentioned it as well when you were talking about boxing stuff. It's that being part of something and yes. um, feeling that you're invested in it. Um, the, there's a whole lot of self identity. Mm-hmm. And self-confidence, which is which is wrapped up in that, mm. and and helping people because inevitably that community of which you're a part is changing. Mm. Um, you know, it's some interesting debate because whether veteran was a suitable word for people who just left the military because it, you know, perhaps has more historic connotations about um, you know sort of people in the first or the second world wars. Um, uh, I, I remember going through this myself. You know, how do you identify your, yourself? You really. Um, it, it changes the way you perceive yourself, I think, when you when you leave the military. But helping people then to get new communities, to have things which they're invested in, which they're part of, and which they, they feel value themselves, mm-hmm. carries on all the way through into the workplace. I mean, some of the work that we do is about establishing community groups within companies, within industries, some of which might be shared across different individual companies, so that people feel that they're part of something and that their employer has invested in something which... Uh, which they also believe in too. Um, and it's sort of enshrined in the covenant. We see it being used increasingly effectively. Uh, and uh, we kind of try and harness that because we yeah. very much recognise that power. It's really important. Yeah. I, 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 sorry. I think as James was saying there, it's especially when talking to employers, looking at the strengths of the individual and kind of focusing on, on, on what their strengths are and the fact that veterans can bring leadership skills and problem-solving skills that might be outside what an employer would normally put on a, a job advert. Yeah. Mm. So, the, so there's something about employing veterans as a sort of as a business proposition, uh, without any form of sympathy or sort of special pleading, uh, which is really important. But, but equally, from a, from an organisational perspective, what what I've seen in, in particular over Invictus over the last year, where we partnered with a, a, a number mm. of very generous sponsors, 
um, they have opportunities to volunteer and to put their workforce in and alongside our beneficiaries as they're going about their business, be it at Invictus or on the sort of ski slopes. And, and what that does is it, it motivates and inspires a workforce who are already you know, kind of committed to their parent organization. But what I've seen in BAE Systems, for instance, where they had 94 of their employers, employees um, at Invictus trials in Sheffield, that, that had a ripple effect across the whole of the business. And, and what I've seen is it, it, it turns a, a, an employee um, who's obviously got you know, his own loyalty or her, her loyalty to the company into something which is, is quite intangible, but they become even more proud of their company for supporting yeah. this, this, this community yeah. um, of ill or, or injured. So there's a sort of a really subtle, intangible mm. return um, that by partnering, you know, and having that sort of public-private third sector partnership and getting it right, there's a real sense of organizational return uh, beyond just the value that, that you know, individual veteran employees bring to any organization. Yeah, so I, so I think we're talking about there's some clear, I mean, m- m- more than benefits. I think for, when you're talking about people in Victor's Games, you know, people, perhaps more vulnerable veterans, wounded, injured and sick, there's some clear motivational things for them getting back to full health, etc. Uh, so I think there is, again, perhaps we might explore that a, a bit bit more. And then it seems to me that there's a wider piece for you know, everyone who's leaving, who's served um, in the wider community, the armed mm. forces community, and, and the benefits that that brings about. Do you want to just go perhaps a bit more into anything more on the wounded in your yeah, sick sure. side? For... Um, so, so I've probably read about a thousand personal statements about why each yeah. individual should go to um, an Invictus Games belong to Team UK. We, we tend to get about four or 500 applicants per um, cycle. Uh, and I've been doing this for three years now. And um, they have to write a personal recovery statement because it's not about sport. Mm. Interestingly, sport is a vehicle yes. to aid their recovery and that of their families. <laughs> And on this confidence point, I, I have seen so many Invictus alumni just flourish. Um, and, and, and once they're back into a safe environment, which isn't judging them for whatever condition that they have, mm. which um, helps them flourish physically and mentally, they can then leave the Invictus Games program and set up their own business or go into full-time employment in a way which... A year earlier, they'd never. Th- you know, some of them had struggled to leave, leave the house mm-hmm. because yeah. some of their, 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 their conditions. And you know, the, the, the demographic has changed over the course of the last four or five years from you know an awful lot of physically sort of Iraq Afghanistan veterans mm-hmm. uh, and serving actually um, in 2014 to last year in um, Sydney, half of Team UK were mental health yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, conditions. So you know, when you're able to offer opportunity through sport, camaraderie, safe environment, no judgment, and as a sort of segue into wider charitable um, services and support, um, then you know, Invictus has got a real unique magic yeah. around it. No, very much so. Alice, if I can make a contribution. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's Tony Matthews here. I'm the National Account Manager at Defence Relationship Management. And I look after the top 20 aerospace and defence companies. So can pretty much buy into what Fred was saying about BAE Systems and their employees who are actually volunteered as, uh, volunteers at the Invictus Games to support the game. So whether that was in the cloakroom, getting participants onto the arena or whatever. And it was really a uh, tremendous success for them. And I think they had about 500 applicants for a few spaces. Mm-hmm. And um, they're looking to make that an ongoing commitment. Mm-hmm. And I find that with a lot of the bigger companies that I've got, they're really more buying into this now and understanding mm-hmm. 
the value that a serviceman can bring and how important that sport element was to them. So when we get them to sign the Armed Forces Covenant and enrol them on the Employer Recognition Scheme, we're trying to include some of these wellness and these fitness and health issues, whether it be mental or physical, into that program as well. So it's a really, it's a really important trend. And uh, I see it with a lot of the companies now, Rolls-Royce, Leonardo, they're all looking to see what can they do. And my question to them now, when we go and talk to them about the Covenant is, what more can you do? How can you help these service people in government? And I think it's a whole thing. You know, is that sponsorship is is a key thing. I mean, I know I've been to quite a few of the uh, sort of events, like you know, combined service winter sports yes. sort of stuff, the service sport, which of course has happened recently mm-hmm. um, uh, in the uh, uh, in the Alps, etc. And I think another thing which I think incentivizes companies uh, is when you see the particularly young lads and lasses, you know, from the three services. Sometimes they've never tried, say, skiing before. Or boxing, um, and they go for it, and and the courage which you mm-hmm. which you need to show doing that is quite a, a leap of faith in this year. But it, it suits their personality, and you see the improvement in confidence level. I know we've talked about confidence a few times; it's fantastic to see. So it's great that companies can see the value of mm-hmm. investing, you know, quite a lot of money, sums of money in this case, to make sure this happens. If it actually if the sponsors weren't there, a lot of this would not happen. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's an enduring contribution as well. Yeah. It's not just one year. They're seeing the value of it mm. and sticking by it. And the larger the companies, they tend to have more money to do that. But, yeah. but they are more committed to it. Yeah. And just back to what Fred was saying, I think sport in particular really engages and motivates people. And it's mm. like for us, we try and harness that mm. and root way people into work. Mm. I think sport works because the environment is quite informal. Mm. So that's a good that's a good learning environment mm. for, for talking about other things when people are feeling motivated and yeah. they're enjoying what they're doing. It's a really good time to talk to them about other stuff like what they want to do in the future. Is there sort of do we think there's a, like a, an opportunity for people from the armed forces who are leaving going into companies and business? I mean, fitness and well-being is much much higher on the agenda nowadays in society. Yeah, I mean, and there are more and more uh, groups which are setting up doing things like, quote, military fitness, boot camps. Some of them are taking the sort of process which we, you know, people have served, have done, you know, whether it's fitness training on a flight deck of a ship or to uh, doing stuff on morning runs and things. So is there something which is perhaps it's great for you know, the armed forces to be associated with that? And there, there might be an opportunity, you know, if, if uh, large numbers of the younger population are being serious about sport and being fit, there's an opportunity there for us in the armed forces. Yeah, I, do, I think it's it's reflecting some of those soft skills that yeah people in the armed forces tend to have. That's that's you know one of them. The um, I mean a very important thing is um, is that when you've been in the armed forces, unless you are on operations, then you're training for operations, and they also come with a um, a learning mindset sort of constant development expectations that, you know, you don't sit still, that you're looking at what your next career course is and what the next step on the ladder is for you. Um, and things like that that um, veterans uh, can bring into businesses can be can be really fantastic. So there, there are loads of loads of opportunities. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic, you know, sitting alongside, you know, the guy who runs British Invictus team, and the language is the same. It's using um, sport. We can't really get away with saying sport as a vehicle because it's very confusing. <laughs> but but the sport is is irrelevant really in terms of you know where you come on a podium or where yeah, exactly yeah. you sit. It's the tool that you're using yeah. in order to unlock and unlock other things. Um, and and in our context, we use it to put them actually alongside civvies and into amazing companies. And for service leaders, that can often be the first time that they look up out, they look sideways and go, 
you know, I can do that. Hmm. But also, and God, Invictus gives them that in spades, they see just how well they're perceived by the outside world. Because I actually spend very little time convincing the heads of industry about the qualities of service personnel that make them desirable. Mm. They tend to get it, yeah. or, mm. or or they get it well enough to yeah. uh, get someone in on a placement, and then you know you, you've nailed it because they'll do that themselves. The people that we're really convincing are the blokes and girls themselves, the mm. service leavers, because they don't necessarily see that. Mm. Is that so, because when you leave the armed services, <coughs> though, James, when you're in there, you have a purpose. Everyone's on the same hymn sheet you yeah. know you've got to train to be fit to fight when you leave your whole daily routine is your own it's not as managed as it was so they kind of lose lose focus a bit totally and um, sport having a focus being part of a team having a higher purpose which you're driving towards that isn't necessarily financial but it's a uh, it's an achievement based thing it's kind of what you've got in the services but that also what gets you out of bed at 5.30 every morning because you need to go and do your uh, rocky segue of boxing training, you know, uh, <laughs> running around lifting things. Uh, I think there's a, there's a wider societal benefit as well. Um, so again, it's, 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 we quite often default to thinking about the, the value of the individual. Um, I, I saw in 2012, I think most people did, you know, the, the, the power of the Paralympics in London to turn the UK society's mindset from mm. one of sympathy to one of admiration yeah, for our Paralympians mm. was just incredible. And then in 2014, Prince Harry brought the Invictus Games onto the world stage. And over the course of the sort of subsequent three, four years, mm. um, we have seen, as I said before, you know, 50% of my team in Sydney were mental health, um, had mental health conditions. And what we have seen through that small military community is a, uh, is the, um, an evolution of it being okay not to be okay and to talk about your challenges. And this isn't PTSD. This is just general mental health. I'm struggling because of I'm lonely. I'm socially isolated. I've lost my identity. And, and we've now got a license to talk about that in a way which we never did before. And the armed forces have really grappled with this and gripped mm -hmm. it. And you know, we've got a, a burgeoning program called Head Fit, which is a subset of um, Heads Together, which is Prince William Prince Harry um, inspiration. Um, to try to bleed into society the fact that it's okay to talk about mental health in the same way mental fitness, actually, in a more positive way, um, to, to talk about those issues, um, which you can use the sort of, if you like, the hero's word and the sort of the, the, the military component. And if it's okay for us to talk about the fact that we struggle, then it just gives people a license to talk about it. So it gets them into treatment and, and access and, and actually out of their own social isolation, perhaps. And it's important to have the right people talking about mental health. And I'll use boxing as an example. Tyson Fury, yeah. um, mm -hmm. a former world champion, for him to be able to talk about his own mental health, I think encouraged a lot of other people to speak about it because they thought if he can do it, then we can. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's important to have the right people giving that message. Mm. Yeah, I mean, boxing has had a fantastic... Um, background and role? A hundred percent. I think nothing engages you in the way boxing does. Yeah. It, it does have a certain credibility, street credibility even, Yeah. Uh, but it is daunting walking yeah. into a boxing gym for the first time for yeah. someone who hasn't done it. People think they're going to get punched in the face. That's, that's not what happens. But you, we spend a lot of time talking to people uh, and just getting them through the door. I think once you've walked through the door of a boxing gym for the first time, most people take to it and really enjoy it. And we, 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 we usually say to people, no one on this program has done boxing before, you're in a safe environment, 
Um, once they're on the program, yeah, I think some of the core principles that are learned in boxing, teamwork, discipline, yeah. camaraderie, self-respect, self-control, yeah. all those things can be applied to the workplace. Yeah, totally. And it's a very interesting thing about, and we're talking about um, people in society, many people are now getting used to the fact that people from time to time have issues and have either disability or, or other, other issues at various times in their life. And in the past, there has been this sort of stigma about all these things. So do we think that we, with the armed forces doing this stuff, and um, Fred, you mentioned what Invictus is, you know, the impacts that's having already. Um, is this a really good way of countering some of those negative perceptions, both on, on the issues, but also on, on veterans as well? Yeah, so, so I, th I think it things like Invictus and, and actually the Paralympics as well, they, 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 yeah. they shine a spotlight yeah. on the issues um, rather than actually be about this sort of elite sport. And I, was in, yeah. I went to Pyeongchang in 2018, the Winter Paralympic Games, and um, even I, 10 years into this programme, was, was impressed to understand there and only there the fact that the Paralympic vision is through sport, inspire a better world for disabled people. That's a really cool vision yeah. for some, you know, an organisation that is actually on television just about the elite level of, of, of sport. And so I think that parallel plays into Invictus. And, and again, what, what Invictus has done for me from a UK perspective, and the Paris No Sport world I, I belong to as well, is, is really um, allow us to have the narrative of, okay, what, when you join the military, it's an extraordinary um, uh, family that you're, you're, you're joining. You, know, you, you lose a bit of yourself, but you gain a whole heap of team mates and colleagues that will stay with you for the rest of your life and it will form the basis of, of, of your identity for, for, for a long, long time. Um, and that that identity um, and the, the sort of teamwork and, and the camaraderie and all of the stuff there, when people leave, is valuable. And um, so one, once people are, um, are, are, are have got this spotlight shone upon them, not only are they generating their own inner confidence and, and, and going through their own recovery journey, the fact that we're able to say you, you belong or have belonged to this extraordinary, um, this extraordinary endeavor, to extraordinary team, um, you are then able to say, you know, and sometimes, you know, people become ill, sometimes people get injured, it's a very, very small percentage. Um, and then, but if you do, we will look after you. And we will look after you from a governmental perspective, be it the MOD or, or the NHS. We will look after you from a private sector perspective because we're giving you opportunities for employment and sponsorship. And we'll have you from a third sector perspective. Um, it's that combination of the sort of public, private and third sector um, working together and collaborating um, to deliver the best effect for those people who need it. Yeah. Um, that's the real power, I think, that the you know, high profile sporting endeavors like Invictus or, or Mission Motorsport uh, uh, allow us to have that sort of conversation. Yeah, no, in, indeed. I think this thing about the perceptions is, is so important. I know that's something which we're involved hugely in say in RFEA and the wider Career Transit Partnership, CTP, is to ensure a lot of companies understand the value of, frankly, employing a service lever or a veteran. You know, but I, I think the message is we're not expecting companies and employers to feel sorry to offer jobs because of uh, you know, their corporate social responsibility. It's because it's going to be very good for the bottom line. You know, anyone who has served, um, and, and, and dare I say, people even you know, who have under undergone some issues and might be in the quote wounded injured and sick category will still be very very good in companies 
reliable, you know, uh, great team skills, confidence, and all of these things. And that's where I think we've 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 already mentioned that sport has got that real role in it. But I, it might be that many people listening to this already understand that. But those who talk to other people who perhaps don't, or just mm. in, uh, encourage anyone to sort of spread the message that service leavers of and veterans are great for employees for any company. I think that's true. I mean, a lot of companies that I speak to and on a daily basis, you know, they recognise that there are soft values that we spoke about, about teamwork, reliability, all that kind of stuff. And I think nowadays the veterans or service leaders want to be on a level playing field. They want to be taken as just another person coming for a job, but to show their real values and, and skills that they've got. And I think companies are, are more more yeah. open to that. Yeah. I mean, there's some... There's some mega examples, I think, over the last few years of where people have, have done things. And actually, I mean, things like Invictus Games opened the doors for Jaguar Land Rover and gave them a focus on supporting the armed forces community, which, um, you know, really came from a commitment to the games. The first Invictus Games back in September uh, 2014. Um, uh, and they, they've uh, focused effort in it and what they're not doing is positively discriminating but that they've looked at their own procedures and recognized that the tools that they're using are perhaps not ideal for spotting distinguishing or retaining service talent mm. so we made some changes behind the scenes we just you know moved some levers within hr process put mentoring in place uh, built really community and we built that on the back of uh, the first games makers for the first invictus games we looked at who volunteered to do it and discovered that a load of them had served or were people who were passionate about armed forces causes. And we said, okay, how many of you would be prepared to mentor a service leaver finding their way into a career after the military? And something really weird happened. We had a 100% response and they all said yes. And from the basis of that community that we started back in the end of 2014, um, that has grown and it's in turn helped uh, as of yesterday, 1,039 veterans into employment with that company. Now, um, that's great when times are good and when you're hiring at a rate of knots, you know, that's exactly what you need. And if it's difficult to get older people, it's a compelling thing to want to do. But it works when the wind is blowing in the other direction too. These soft skills that we're talking about um, help you with broader things such as your employee satisfaction about talking about your company values um, and help knit that community of industry together in order to make it something that's stronger for having veterans in amongst it. Um, we're really seeing people respond to that beautifully. Superb. Um, what we, and, and I think I, it might be quite good a message to service leavers. You know, what is our advice to services and what's advice to employers? But I message service leavers, frankly, keep yourself fit. Do join the local clubs. Do interact, use it as a vehicle, etc. And do it, you know, do sport for all but, the reasons we've been talking But sometimes about. not, and especially when you're coming from an environment where you've had everything done for you, no, you know, yeah, nothing, get, bills get paid, your, everything. And yeah, do it yourself. To yeah. be doing all that yourself, sometimes they don't engage. And I think yeah, yeah. very often veterans uh, get lost in the community and they don't self-identify. So there's yeah. no way of tracking how many veterans are in Islington because no one keeps records. If you go to Job Centre Plus, they have different markers they don't have a veterans marker on on, on their their no. program anywhere, so it is finding them as well. Yeah. It's true what James said though about uh, companies that have changed HR policies. That's really important. Yeah. So someone like Rolls Royce have now got a specific person in HR who looks out for military CVs. So the recruiters know that anyone gets the mm. CV comes in military, it goes to that person in HR who understands what things are written on the military CV look like. 
And yeah. another one of my companies, I won't name them, guarantee an interview to service leavers. That could be telephone. Well, that's now, that's that now, might be telephone. It might be written. It's government policy for Yeah, which is fantastic. For, for in civil, civil public, public, yeah. public, public. And sometimes that's the difficulty is getting sat in front of an employer because it's the application process. Are you even sifted? You know, you well, get an auto response. For service leavers listening, I mean, the, the big thing is there's tons of support out there. It's all different shapes and sizes. And yeah, by God, there's, there's shiny things right at the top of the tree, like Invictus, which are up there. But that's inspiring a whole range of other uh, activities which you can lean into, find support, join communities, and and lean into doing things. Um, because um, there is more to life than the military. Sounds strange when you're sat in it, but it really does exist out there. And things like the Veterans Gateway. I think there's lots of work being done in getting organisations that are supporting veterans to pull together and work together because they're all doing good work, but sometimes individually. The, the, the community I b- belong to, um, what I've seen, and you mentioned corporate social responsibility earlier, and, and, and James, you mentioned values. When, when I have positive conversations with a whole heap of, of companies, um, the, these shared values and the way in which I think um, the private sector have started to really put their weight behind diversity inclusion and understand better the value of, of cognitive diversity in a given team and this sort of safe and inclusive environment, that's really, really powerful. And, and what I see, as I put my disability champion hat on, um, you know, the, the military reflect society in, in, in one way. And I see the sort of the networks that exist out there for, for gender, for race or faith or, se- or sexuality, you know, a really powerful voice. Um, and, and what I'm trying to do now with this sort of value-based conversation when I go into companies is to try to raise the profile and value of people with disabilities up to the same or similar levels as the other protected characteristics. Because, as I said, that, that sort of cognitive diversity uh, of, of, of just having teams that think differently mm-hmm. uh, and then allowing those teams to be able to think di- and operate differently in an inclusive and safe yeah. space, yeah. really important for the disabled community who, as we've talked about, you know, may well have confidence issues or identity issues and just struggle perhaps to go to work five days a week in a suit and tie. But there's a lot of flexible working arrangements out there from job sharing to remote working to, to whatever. So having a um, person who has to think in a diverse way just to get through the front door every morning you know, is a really powerful addition to any team. No, absolutely. So, so I think there's lots of messages actually for for employers uh, on the wider thing. It, it's it's actually about you know employing veterans who are fantastic in the workplace, etc. Honestly, I think there's a follow up backing up what Fred said. There's a, one of my companies they've set up a specific link with the Defence Medical Rehabilitation Centre, Stanford Hall, is it? Mm-hmm. And they've gone up to see them to say, how can we change our factory to make it more accessible for service veterans who are wounded, injured, and sick? So what can we do in our, within our company to make it more attractive and make it more practical for them to come and work in an aerospace company? I think mm. if there's one message to employers, it's say, what can you do to help? What more can they do? Yeah, I, I'd say to employers as well, be prepared to deviate from your a rigid recruitment yeah. way of recruiting, a, a structure of recruiting, and look at skills that are outside what you normally look for. Yeah. You, you'll be widening the, the pool of talent you can choose from, I think. Superb. There's an absolute thing about, and we're just starting to sort of touch the iceberg of this, this post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about as a psychological, you know, Nietzsche, you know, what doesn't kill you make you stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we see this it, on, on all the sports I belong to and, and, and have helped uh, with. 
watching the, the growth of the individuals as they go through the various programs, you know, because they're finding their confidence, because they're part of a team, because they're back part of a family, um, then the, the post-traumatic growth of these guys and girls allows them to you know, say, sometimes, thanks very much, I've had enough, I'm gonna go and set my own company up. Um, sometimes say, right, thanks very much, how can I get employment in the snow sports sector? So you can work out programs, which you never really thought about at the start of the charity, but because people have grown and said, right, how do I now give back and that sort of empowerment, self-empowerment, to then give back to a community because they've lived through and benefited from it. That, that, that dramatic growth thing, the growth generation, as our friend Michael Coates um, has, has coined it, is really powerful and really important, I think. Very, very interesting. I know, I'm sure we've all got experience of, of, of witnessing some sports participating, a lot of sports and services. I mean, uh, anecdotally, I, I mean, I went to the Combined Service Mountain Bike uh, Championships in Wales year before last. I was stunned. I mean, I am. I love cycling. I love mountain biking. I mean, the quality of what what these individuals were doing, and again, sponsored sponsored by some companies, which is great. Um, but seeing the the courage, the commitment, the fitness, and all of those sort of things come out in that uh, sport, and then you multiply that times all of the sports across the armed mm-hmm. forces mm-hmm. and all the different associations, which do a fantastic job. It is brilliant to see. Yeah, no, holy. I um, I think we see everything from. Um, uh, sponsorship of the Red Devils, you know, the mm. British Army's parachute display team, uh, through to tiny little bits and pieces where smaller companies are having a relationship more locally, mm. and whether that's with their local cadets, with a um, volunteer unit, um, but um, you can get an awful lot from it. Mm. So um, I, I think for the service leavers, there's loads of opportunity out there, but all of a sudden it's your responsibility to go and find it. So get off your ass, go and network. Um, leverage all of those um, opportunities which perhaps you might have passed over in the past, grasp every opportunity that you can. And for companies, there is there are mechanisms for you to get engaged with defence in a way that there was never before through through the Covenant. And uh, there's, a, there's a very good website uh, for the Armed Forces Covenant, which is not only easy to find, it's easy to navigate. And it's, uh, uh, and it's a great way for companies to start to understand how they can start to have much more of a contribution that's uh, over and above just employing um, reservists. It can be all aspects of their business and it can have a, a massively um, uh, positive effect commercially as well as everything else. So I think we've had a really interesting conversation here um, and it, it's, it's great to hear all, the, all these views. And I think the key things which have come out is actually the value that service leaders, veterans do uh, for employers, how sport can really enhance uh, people's performance and their, with their confidence, their, their um, feeling of wealth, well-being, the relationships they have with people, both in the service and also as people are making the transition, which is fantastic. So it's great for service leavers to be aware of that whilst they're making transition to keep going at it, uh, which is brilliant. Fantastic work that uh, people do and, um, and certainly the, the Invictus Games and all the companies which have been involved and defence relationship management uh, and all the work you do with companies. CTP, Career Transition Partnership, uh, charities in the employment space uh, and of course in COBSEO, uh, and we have the employment cluster which we cover these uh, many of these issues. Um, that All of these are really very useful things. So to everyone who is doing doing great service for the the veteran and service leader community in this space. Well done. Thank you very much indeed. If you don't want to miss out on next month's episode, then hit the subscribe button. And if you have any questions for us or want to know more, you can contact us on Twitter at DRM underscore support. Thank you very much for listening.